0: You're listening to Activation Energy by the Chemical Angel Network. I'm your host, Selma Duhovich. In this episode, I speak with Craig Casberg and Tony Sun. Craig is the CEO of Tidal Vision, an early stage company that uses the principles of green chemistry to manufacture chitosan. Tony is the North American Investment Director at GC International, a subsidiary of PTT Global Chemical. He has a PhD in physics, and before becoming an investor, he was the lead analyst at Lux Research. Hi, Craig. Hi, Tony. Welcome, and thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Hi, Selma. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Selma
0: let's start by covering biopolymers. What are they, and why are they important, and what is their potential?
1: Sure. yeah, no, great question. So um biopolymers are or polysaccharides are just fancy words for chain of carbohydrates. And of course, carbohydrate is just a fancy word for a chain of sugar. So these are materials that occur naturally in nature and are the building block of almost everything around us, from cellulose, that's the building block of all plants and trees, to lignins, to alginates. These materials are everywhere. Uh, and there's, there's one really unique one that we specialize in called chitosan, which is the only positively charged or cationic biopolymer in the entire world.
0: Can you elaborate on that? Uh, what is chitosan and what is it used for?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So being positively charged in nature gives thousands of possibilities for chitosan. There are so many, uh, so many synthetic chemicals or non-biodegradable chemicals used in hundreds of applications uh, that are necessary for day-to-day life. Everything from paints and coatings to textiles to processing agriculture goods to how our automobiles are built, right? That transport us around. It's one of the most common needed functions in building thousands of things. So uh, the question we always ask ourselves, because there's so many things that Kaidosan can be used for is What should KaidoSan be used for? And, you know, in our belief, all these uh, industries and companies are ran by real people. And in our day and age, there's a huge movement towards environmental sustainability. So we as a company try to focus on making KaidoSan available and convenient and in a form that maximizes its performance, where it's replacing something synthetic and non-biodegradable and therefore has a positive environmental impact. And uh, there's lots of examples about that that I can get into <laughs> when you want, but it's uh, it's important because it these are things that affect all of our day-to-day life.
0: Let's talk about manufacturing kytosan. Apparently you have a special way of doing so.
1: Yeah, sure. So we have a uh, zero waste proprietary process for making kaitosan that has several distinct advantages over the traditional method that's been commercialized since the 60s. Our method allows us to produce higher molecular weights because it uses a gentler green uh, solvent technology compared to the traditional acid-based process that can break the molecular weight down. But why that's important is that can greatly affect performance. And that's one of the things that have limited the you know, adoption of certain biopolymers, chitosan being no exception, it, it is some of those limitations, right? So we're able to, to overcome that, and uh, and also our process allows us to produce it at a substantially lower cost. So we've already lowered the cost of adopting KaidoSan in these industries, and it's always a, a function of, of performance and cost for any any application to get mass adoption, right, and convenience. And so that was our whole thesis statement when we founded Tidal Vision was sustainability should not be a compromise on price, convenience, or performance, meaning if we're going to be able to create positive and systemic environmental impact by displacing some synthetic non-biodegradable polymers or other chemicals in these industries, we need to make our sand solutions just as good performing, just as easy to use, and equal to lower cost. And, and that our process technology uh, is one of our technologies that enables us to do that.
0: I want to go back to uh, the applications. What markets are you serving?
1: Yeah, so we have three commercial teams. So a simple way of putting it is we're sort of like three companies in one that just all benefit from the same core manufacturing technology and infrastructure. So platform technology as well. And those three segments are uh, water treatment, textile treatment and agriculture and within agriculture and crop production.
0: Let's dig deeper into those segments. What exactly does chitosan do for water treatment?
1: Yeah. So where chitosan fits into commercial water treatment, our product line for commercial water treatment is Tidal Clear, and it's used as a coagulant and flocculant. It's a combination coagulant and flocculant. And so it's used to reduce synthetic polymers, and mostly metal-based non-biodegradable polymers for influent clarification. So this is the influent contaminated wastewater, influent going into a treatment facility. So usually upstream of the filtration or solid liquid separation equipment uh, can be very different in in different water treatment plants, uh, but the chemistry is essentially the same. They typically use pH adjusters and cationic and sometimes anionic, which are negatively charged as well, coagulants to bind and take these very small in solution or suspension particles and uh, and create bigger things that are easier to filter, right? That's traditionally done with these aluminum or ferric chloride-based coagulants, and those are very small molecules with a high charge density and, uh, and they're non-biodegradable. Ours is a not only a greener way of doing it because uh, it is by 100% biodegradable, there's also some performance advantages. It leads to improved filterability, which increases throughput at these water treatment facilities which becomes really important in flood events and things like that, giving these plants more capacity to treat contaminated water when an emergency happens. And, uh, and there's a few other advantages as well.
0: And what about the other applications? Can you help me understand how something that is a flocculant uh, can be used in textiles and agriculture?
1: In textiles, its performance also comes back to it being the only natural material with a positive or cationic charge Um, but where this ends up being really valuable and important is for example flame retardants typically have halogenated toxic chemicals that also are positively charged and that increases the char density so we have uh, a solution based on kydo that can be used in fibers that end up in automobiles in case the vehicle ends up in flames, furniture and mattress and carpet industries as well. And uh, and because of that positive charge, it'll bind to many microorganisms and inhibit their ability to grow. So another benefit is automobiles and GM uses KydoSan treatments in all their automobiles now is to inhibit, you know, mold and mildew, which can be toxic to human beings. And uh, in agriculture, it's very diverse. And I'll be, Kaido Sands applications are very diverse in agriculture. So I'll be brief, but in short, that powerful performance can be harnessed in uh, crop protection applications to greatly reduce the application rates of many problematic pesticide active ingredients. Um, So...
0: Uh, okay, that makes sense. So what stage is tidal vision in both in terms of technology and business development?
1: Yeah, we're we're selling in just water treatment alone, approaching thousands of metric tons per month, which is enough to treat billions of gallons of water per month. So what's really powerful about our finished liquid chitosan sand solutions is is the performance. When you use the right molecular weight and some of the other technical details I alluded to earlier, these natural materials can be just as powerful a performance, if not even more in some of the cases like the filterability advantage. And so hard to put that into perspective exactly, but we sell mostly to that industry in uh, totes and tankers. And each tote is approximately 275 gallons. We sell multiple truckloads of them per week, but of that single tote of 275 gallons, one gallon is on average enough to treat 20,000 gallons. Right, so each tote is therefore—you could think of it as—that's five and a half million gallons of contaminated water treated with our product. And again, you know, we're having hundreds of those going out, approaching thousands per month here this year with some pretty exciting growth. And that's just one of our already generating revenue sectors.
0: Wow, that's really impressive. Um, I'm I'm now wondering about the challenges that you faced during that path to revenue. Can you give me a glimpse of what you had to overcome?
1: Uh, <laughs> there's so many. It's a uh... Think it's hard begin. I mean, just everything when you're doing something new, right? All all the little things that you don't think about, the things you take for granted when you're building a new production line to scale up a new technology, are the things that end up delaying the whole project, right? Whether that's Lately, it's been computer chip shortages to our new production lines that we need to ramp up our revenue even more. Right, we need to increase our capacity again, and that's been a constant cycle. It's a lot, I would say, uh, has been just me learning the right uh, order to do things in, and uh, I've learned it's just really important to get the right people, you know, into the right position in the company before taking the next step. But didn't always, you know realize that. So we bit off a lot in our first few years. And, and there were all sorts of setbacks from that. To company culture has been a uh, huge amount of work uh, on myself and Zach, the other co-founder, trying to make sure that as we grow, you know, we're at about 40 full-time employees now, approaching about 65 by the end of the year, 60, 65. So we're growing Uh, And this is June for anyone (laughs) listening. So we're, we're growing very quickly, you know, hiring several new positions per month, which is pretty big percentage wise for a company of our size, right? We were a year ago, only, you know, around 15 employees. And so the company culture work has been crucial trying to, you know, really do this work. How do we make it safe to continue to take risks and be innovative, but also execute and grow in parallel with that? And, uh, and it's an interesting balance and, and lots of lessons learned, not all of them that we had to learn the hard way. We have really good advisors. And, and what I found is just other entrepreneurs tend to be really open at talking about those sort of things, lessons they've learned company culture-wise, things they implemented to try to improve something that maybe had an unintended consequence or maybe helped in another way that wasn't even foreseen. And so th- those are just some of the many.
0: Where do you see tidal vision in five to 10 years?
1: I think in five to 10 years, we'll be a lot closer to completing that vision that we have, which is to create positive and systemic environmental impact, displace enormous volumes of these non-biodegradable, synthetic, often highly toxic to aquatic life and the environment chemicals that we're competing against that chitosan uniquely positioned to displace. Because again, It's the only natural material with this key property of being positively charged. Uh, All those other biopolymers I mentioned at the start, like alginates and seaweed and cellulose and plants, uh, they're all negatively charged. And so, what that will look like, I think, will be a public company. We'll continue to grow in water treatment, continue to grow in textiles, where we have, uh, you know, really the industry's first cost-effective biodegradable non-toxic, non-hazardous flame retardant and uh, antimicrobial, you know, solution portfolio. And uh, in agriculture, where we're able to reduce the amount of problematic synthetic pesticides that have growing resistance problems and everything that Kaidosan's unique mode of action can complement really well in that industry in a really big way. So, yeah, in five to 10 years, hopefully we're a public company and we can say we're doing it on millions of metric tons, not just thousands.
0: Again, that's really impressive. And I certainly can appreciate that ambition. Now, Tony, tell me why you invested in Tidal Vision. It would be great if you first gave us an overview of GC Ventures.
2: We are the corporate venture arm of a petrochemical company. Uh, And because we are a petrochemical company, we fully understand the current market trends, the investment trends, as well as uh, how uh, everyone, the general public awareness of the potential impact of continuing this route, like leveraging uh, natural resources uh, like petroleum, and then use that as a starting point. So this is where our company has started to invest heavily into the biobased chemical space more than 10 years ago. And then for the CVC arm, we're definitely uh, follow the same vision and strategy. Uh, so bio-based chemical for uh, value-added applications is a key focus where one of our focus areas. So again, as you have cleared uh, here directly from Craig, so Tidal Vision has a unique technology and that fits very well with these thesis. I will say on the more granular aspect, right? Tidal Vision pretty much checked all the boxes, right? So we like the, we like the team, we like the The commercialization traction the synergy with our company and the team really know how to execute well and then uh, we feel this is where we can bring value and this is how we decided to work with them and uh, be a proud investor and hopefully grow together
0: you mentioned the criteria you use to invest in title vision can you walk me through the decision making process
2: yeah I, I i probably want to take one step back is within the corporate we have multiple arms to engage with technologies, right? So a uh, corporate venture is the vehicle where we tend to typically look at emerging technology. Right? We also have our my I have my counterpart in the MA team, they look at things more mature, but also a uh, different part of the supply chain. So this is what by definition, our team is supposed to look at relatively early stage companies. So but with that in mind, I have to admit as a big corporate in the in the in the commodity chemical space, we are not very good at innovation. So this is where I think, as of now, our investment thesis from CVC side has been kind of like Series A or B, where uh, the fundamental science has been validated, and so the scientific risk has been uh, kind of like taken over has been overcome by the team, and then uh, the technology, the startup, really at a stage where they want to scale up. So this is where they will face market problem, they will face challenge in scaling up the engineering side. This is where I believe we can step in and bring the value in now uh, going back to uh, your comments on the uh, decision making process uh, I, I think we're probably not that different from the peers so everything will start from you know sourcing the deal and bring the opportunities to uh, what we have like a uh, round table discussion so basically it's, my, it's between our 16 arm as well as a business unit and if we feel the opportunity is unique and then we will open up the data room and start to perform due diligence so if the due diligence is satisfying then uh, our team will bring it to our invest committee for feedback. And then uh, if the feedback is, you know, positive, overall positive, we will start to engage with lawyers to look at the opinion from the legal side, and then just to address any remaining questions before we bring it to our IC for a second time for the final approval. So, uh, and then if, when we evaluate a deal, like I mentioned, like technology, market, team, financials, business model, the terms, the synergy, these are all the different aspects we will look into.
0: How long does this investment process take, like from the time Title Vision got on your radar to the time you put money in their bank account?
2: That's a very good question. I think we became aware of Title Vision almost three years ago. Um, but at the time, the technology is a little bit early for us to engage. So we kind of like monitor from far away. And then we continue the conversation and the monitoring. And uh, I think we, we started a serious uh, investment evaluation. And when we start that conversation towards the very end, like writing check, I think probably four months.
0: What are your thoughts on investing in early stage startups during this wave of uncertainty that seems to be washing over the macro economy? Are you pulling back? Are you deploying your capital more slowly? What's happening there? Sure. This
2: is a fantastic question. Uh, so I do not want to pretend that I know everything. We are also evaluating and monitoring the uh, the situation closely. But what I can tell is, um, I was at the, the global corporate venturing summit last week. So a bunch of folks like CEC would kind come of a group together, and then some of the key takeaways or observations that I had from the from the group, I think the, uh, like I mentioned, there's this acknowledgement of the market volatility. So I think uh, we are not at the bottom yet. Uh, there will be some corrections or recessions, and we don't know how it will, will last. One year, two year. I think people generally think about that kind of a time frame. And uh, however, even with that, the uh, overall sentiment on the CVC side is still a positive. Uh, I think a lot of people are dis- discussing that this is becomes opportunity for CVCs because this is where uh, the corporate uh, can be a, a little more, more bold. So, and and also, uh, I think. Another key point is to uh, what I, I think some of the consequences is especially this is where the corporate VCs can play a key role to continue to support our portfolio, especially from strategic side. So through our network inside as well as outside. And then regarding the question, are, are people pulling back or deploying slowly? I would say it's very hard to tell. It's really case by case, uh, even sector by sector. I think some of the sectors are probably felt a little harder by the current situation. So for example, if you look at the public market, there's certain sectors, their stock uh, drop much faster than some of the others, right? If we're talking about the CVC side, especially uh, in our sector, like chemical, materials, energies, which are like deep tech, I think people are, I would say probably less impact somehow. Just give you an example, right? So uh, one of our peers, Evonik, uh, which is uh, also a well-known uh, chemical company. So they, like last month, they just public announced that they launched their new fund, they call the sustainability tech fund, which is 150 uh, million euros. So that's a uh, seat on top of their existing 250, right? So this is where you see uh, people are, although we see some sentiment of where the market is going on, but then along the line of, let's say, sustainability, the conversations where uh, there has been already a level of public awareness and there's already big pressure on the companies in our sector that we know we need to do something. So this is why I think of uh, uh, at least in this sector with similar themes, uh, I'm not seeing people are uh, pulling back dramatically. Uh, some people are more, even more bold and uh, want to step up, see this as an opportunity.
0: That's certainly encouraging to hear. Um, well, thank you both so much for taking the time to come on the show and share your insights with me and the audience. Sure, thank you. Sam.
1: Thank you.